The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-host is Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We also thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. Today, in our Inside the Court segment, District Attorney General Jennings Jones will tell you about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. In our cold case profile segment, we will continue to highlight more unsolved murders. To discuss those cases, we are pleased to welcome back from the Murfreesboro Police Department, Detective Sergeant James Abbott. Also on today's broadcast, Sergeant Abbott has brought a very special guest from the Criminal Analysis Section of the Murfreesboro Police Department, Ashley Smith. Ashley Smith will inform us about the valuable services that the Criminal Analysis Section provides and how it functions to help make this a safer community for all of us. We will begin the broadcast after you listen to these important messages. Good morning. It's heavy, but it's moving 24 through the Hickory Hollow area. Lots of radar. 840, especially over in Williamson County this morning. Watch yourself. That's no April Fool's joke. They're really out here cracking down this morning. PensacolaBeach.com's got everything you need to book your next getaway. Check it out. PensacolaBeach.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. Come see us at Animal City. Here at Animal City, we carry a full line of pet products to help your pets stay healthy, happy, and well, and to make your life a little easier. And whether you are looking for a favorite toy for your new pup or to start a garden pond, come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro's longest running and only family operated pet store. Dave Ramsey, America's most trusted money expert. The Dave Ramsey Show, live each day from 1 to 4 on WGNS Rutherford County's Place to Talk. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney, Jennings Jones, and in this segment, I will be your tour guide as I take you inside the courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go inside the courts. On the 26th day of June in 2019, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Walnut Grove Road in Christiana, Tennessee. Mr. Terry Barber was found deceased on the floor of his bedroom with his hands and feet bound together. 
Lead investigator, Rutherford County Sheriff's Detective Steve Brown, has charged three individuals, Devin Gailey, Brent Ross, and Vernice Farrell, with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, and fraudulent use of a debit card. Following a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court, these cases were bound over to the grand jury. In June of 2020, a Rutherford County grand jury returned to Truebill against all three defendants. On January 20th of this year, Devin Gailey, represented by Murfreesboro attorney Luke Evans, entered a plea of guilty to felony murder and especially aggravated kidnapping and received a life sentence with the possibility of parole and a concurrent 25-year sentence. Vernice Farrow, represented by Miss Amanda Gentry, elected to take her case to trial, and on March 24th of this year, a jury of her peers found her guilty on all counts of the indictment. Vernice Farrow was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole on the charge of first-degree murder, and a sentencing hearing has been set for July 6th for the remaining counts. In this trial, the state was represented by myself and Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. The case against Brent Ross, represented by Mr. Michael Jones, remains pending at this time. Ross's next court appearance is scheduled for April the 4th before Judge Jimmy Turner. On July 27th of 2018, officers with the Smyrna Police Department responded to Uptown Suites in reference to a shooting. Once on scene, officers located Robert Wilson, the victim of a gunshot wound. Mr. Wilson later died from his injuries. Smyrna Police Detective Steve Martin was assigned as lead investigator. After interviewing witnesses and reviewing video surveillance footage, Donovus Drennan was identified as a suspect. At the conclusion of the investigation, Donovus Drennan was charged with second-degree murder, tampering with evidence, employing a weapon during a felony, and possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. Mr. Drennan is represented by counsel, Mr. Derek Scretchen. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is set currently for trial to begin on April the 25th of this year. <clears throat> on March the 31st of 2019, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on Sunset Avenue. Once inside, officers discovered the body of Judith Montmire. Miss Montmire had been stabbed multiple times, resulting in her death. Upon conclusion of the investigation, lead investigator Murfreesboro Police Detective Jacob Fountain charged Mr. Montmire with the first-degree murder of his wife, Mrs. Montmire. Mr. Montmire appeared before the General Sessions Court in Rutherford County, and following a preliminary hearing, the court bound the matter over for presentation to the grand jury. In November of 2019, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned a true bill against Mr. Montmire for the first-degree murder of his wife. Mr. Montmire last appeared before the Circuit Court of Rutherford County on May 13, 2021. Mr. Montmire is represented by counsel, Mr. Clifton Sobel. He remains in custody and waits trial beginning May 9th of 2022. The state in this case is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Dana Miner. On June 22nd of 2018, Officers with the Smyrna Police Department were dispatched to Sullivan Sports Bar in reference to a shooting that resulted in the death of Mr. Errol Lyons. Video surveillance footage showed Marcus Brown approach the vehicle occupied by Mr. Lyons and several friends. An altercation occurred between Mr. Brown and at least one of the occupants of the vehicle. Mr. Brown then shot and killed Mr. Lyons and fled the scene. 
Detective Tony Harris with the Smyrna Police Department, was assigned as the lead investigator. After reviewing video footage and interviewing witnesses, Detective Harris charged Mr. Brown with first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated assault, employing a weapon during the commission of a felony, tampering with evidence, and resisting arrest. Mr. Brown is represented by Murfreesboro attorney Scott Kimberly, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently set for trial to begin on June 6th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on Northfield Boulevard, pardon me, on North Rutherford Boulevard, in response to a shooting resulting in the death of Mr. Stephen Lopez, Jr. Lead investigator, Detective Richard Presley, has charged Mr. James E. Evans III with the second-degree murder of Mr. Lopez. Mr. Evans waived his right to a preliminary hearing and bound his case over to the grand jury. In March of 2021, the Rutherford County Grand Jury returned to Truebill against Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans is represented by counsel, Mr. John Mitchell III, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This case is currently set for trial to begin on June 20th of this year. On July 26th of 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to the residence of Mr. Eric Bixler. Upon arrival, deputies found the body of Mr. Bixler, deceased as the result of multiple stab wounds. A female companion of Mr. Bixler advised deputies two armed men attacked Mr. Mr. Bixler and held her at gunpoint while they searched the premises. The female heard Mr. Bixler being tortured by his assailants. Detective Ty Downing with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department was assigned as lead investigator. Following the detective's investigation, Mr. Christopher White and Mr. Christopher Robinson, both from Kentucky, were charged with first-degree murder, especially aggravated kidnapping, especially aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, use of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, possession of a firearm by a felon, and tampering with evidence. After a preliminary hearing in the General Sessions Court, the cases were bound over to the grand jury, and in March of 2021, a true bill was returned against both defendants. A trial on this matter is currently set to begin on August the 1st of this year. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On June 22nd of 2019, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Eagle Street, resulting in the death of Mr. Diore Sunders. Detective Jacob Fountain was assigned as the lead investigator. Through interviews with, of witnesses and video surveillance footage, Detective Fountain identified Delarius Crawford and Quandre Knowles as suspects in the shooting. Physical, <coughs> pardon me, physical evidence established two different firearms were used to kill Mr. Sunders. Eyewitnesses have confirmed that Mr. Crawford and Mr. Knowles both shot Mr. Sunders. Detective Fountain has charged both suspects with first-degree murder, tampering with evidence, employing a firearm during the commission of a felony, and possession of a handgun by a convicted felon. Mr. Crawford is represented by Mr. David Clark and Mr. Knowles by Mr. Tellman Payne. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This matter is currently scheduled for trial to begin on August the 22nd of this year. On October the 8th of 2019, officers with the Laverne Police Department responded to a residence on Center Street in response to a shooting resulting in the death of a 17-year-old male. The juvenile had been shot multiple times. Detective Steve Krotz was assigned as the lead investigator. 
Upon interviewing witnesses, Detective Crocs developed Mr. Deontay Moore as a suspect. Cell phone records placed Mr. Moore in the area of the shooting and in communication with the juvenile victim on the night of the shooting. On October the 16th of 2019, Detective Crocs located Mr. Moore hiding in a closet at an apartment in Lebanon, Tennessee. Mr. Moore was charged with first-degree murder. A preliminary hearing held on February the 11th of 2020 in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County sent the case on to the grand jury. In March of 21, a Rutherford County grand jury indicted Mr. Moore with first-degree murder, especially aggravated robbery, and the use of a firearm during the commission of a felony. This matter is currently scheduled for trial to begin on September the 26th of this year. The defendant is represented by Mr. Courtney Teasley. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. And that will conclude today's look inside the courts. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Weekday mornings at 10. Rutherford County's place to talk. Is your current home loan the right fit for you? Near historically low rates combined with rising home values means that you could have more home equity than you might imagine. And if you're considering a refi, an expertly chosen loan from Loan Depot could save you thousands. Ask about our smart term loans, cash out, and over 300 loan options to find just the right mortgage loan for you. Call now, 866-888-LOAN or go to LoanDepot.com. Loan Depot, where home means everything. Rates are subject to change. Equal housing opportunity lender. And MLS number one. 74457. Licensed in all 50 states. My heart was racing just making spaghetti. I could have waited to tell my doctor, but I didn't wait. I was short of breath just reading a book. I could have delayed telling my doctor, but I didn't wait. They told their doctors and found out they have atrial fibrillation, a condition which makes it about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you have one or more of these symptoms, irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, this is no time to wait. Contact your doctor. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Skies will become mostly sunny here this afternoon, high in the upper 50s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, alone near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 41. Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile. This is Paul Newman. Welcome back to the Action Line on WGNS. We also welcome back from the Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Sergeant James Abbott. Sergeant Abbott has a very special guest. In this segment, we are pleased to have with us Ashley Smith from the Murfreesboro Police Department Criminal Analysis Section. So Ashley, I appreciate you uh, coming on this morning with us and, and discussing y'all's role in crime analysis and how it applies to using and working with cold case homicide investigations. 
Before we start here, can you just kind of give us the, what is the role of a crime analyst at, within the Murfreesboro Police Department? Yeah, absolutely. So the role of a crime analyst in the Murfreesboro Police Department is we kind of perform skilled administrative, strategic, and technical analysis. Uh, we collect data from our different d- databases at the police department. Uh, that includes calls for service and our field-based reporting software that we have. And then we also gather and analyze crime data for pattern detection Um, crime correlations, we help with target profiles, we help with directed patrol efforts. Uh, So our main goal is just to kind of collect all of that data and be able to allocate resources throughout the city of Murfreesboro. Working these cold cases and these cold case homicide investigations, a lot of these uh, cases, you know, as you know, some of them may be a few years old, some of them may be 15, 20 years old. So uh, there's a lot of information there. You're, you're going through a lot of old information, trying to find new information for us. You've worked, we've worked on a couple of cases already. One of the most recent ones is the Cedric Herbert homicide that occurred in 2009. We just recently got the work products for those cases. Kind of describe a little bit what you all are looking at when you are analyzing a cold case and how that can assist the investigation division and the detectives who will be following up that, with that information. Yes, absolutely. So as a crime data analyst, when we do analyze these cold cases, we first start out by becoming the subject matter expert, or the SME. So we go through the case files, we review the interview notes, watch any interview DVDs, cassettes, anything that's a little bit older we can do. We go through crime scene photos, um, detective notes, And what we do with those is we also look at incidents that have taken place beforehand. So if maybe there are some individuals in the current cold case that may have been involved in other cases, we go back, we'd make sure if they're in our system in any way. And if we are, we make sure to annotate that, that, hey, they're in this type of environment. They've been related to this case and this case. So we make those connections. We also analyze a lot of phone data. So with our Cedric Herbert case, we've analyzed a lot of the phone data that we've gotten from people who are associated with the case. We go through, we analyze the locations of cell phone towers. We analyze locations of maybe where cell phones have pinged from the people who we've collected cell phone data from. And we also look for any patterns in movement amongst these individuals. Also, when we're going through the interviews with individuals, we kind of look for themes and patterns of different behavior that they may be exhibiting while in these interviews, whether or not they may seem like they're being a little bit held back, being deceptive in any way. So yeah. So when you do these analysis, basically y'all are trying to find gaps in information or intelligence that we have. May have fallen through uh, in the initial investigation or uh, was just missed. Uh, so as you're looking and you're filling in these gaps, uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, how the detectives, once they get that information or, or the information you provide them, uh, how this might help them as, as far as assist them as far as filling in those gaps. Yeah, so when we identify these intelligence gaps that we have in these cases, we're looking for any questions that may have not been answered at the time during the investigation. So we go through the investigation, we read the case notes, we see, okay, you interviewed this person, this person, and this person, what about this person who came up in a separate case that is also connected with these uh, people that we've already listed? Also, going through phone records again, if we've seen that there is any type of communication between two individuals and maybe that same individual has popped up on somebody else's phone, we want to make sure we are able to analyze that and make that connection in order for us to develop 
these possible answers to these intelligent gaps that will help you guys with your investigation. So it'll help move your investigation forward as well as possibly pop up new leads in the case as well. You, you may have mentioned just a, a few minutes ago, you, y'all look at other cases that may be linked mm-hmm. as well, looking at these linked cases that may be on the peripheral that was initially not seen or, or maybe these cases actually had not occurred at the time of this actual homicide, these cold case homicides. How do y'all work with those link, you know, looking at those linked cases and seeing how that can maybe also apply to being able to help solve these homicides, particularly other individuals and suspects that are maybe in the peripheral of these investigations, particularly let's say if, if a case is like maybe uh, some type of homicide that is gang related. So for that, what we do is we use um, open source intelligence, uh, which includes anything that is open to the public, public record, the public can see. We utilize that a lot, especially as it's becoming more and more popular in today's society with the internet being a large part of majority of people's lives. We use that to kind of help identify more connections between these individuals who are involved in these cases. So we're able to say, hey, this person knows this person by in this way, or this name came up in this search, or things like that. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the role of how y'all work with, uh, with the Criminal Investigation Division working on these cold cases? I mean, overall, our goal as a crime data analyst is just kind of to assist our detectives in their investigations. Like everyone else in the department, we want to see our department succeed and be able to bring closure to the families who have unfortunately been affected by these events. We're not here to solve the case by ourselves, so we look up to our detectives and we're willing to work with them and help move these investigations along that way that we can be able to bring closure to these families, to close these cases, and try to minimize the amount of exposure we have to unsolved cases. Well, we do appreciate, and we appreciate y'all's assistance as well. Clearly, uh, you know, when we are looking at these cold case homicides or any type of shooting or homicides, crime analysis is one, of, one tool of many that we try to look into our toolbox to help solve these cases. So again, this morning, I want to thank you for being here and coming on to the show. And I do appreciate all the work you all do at the crime analysis uh, unit there at Mercerboro Police Department. Uh, y'all have been a great help to our division. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You are listening to The Action Line on WGNS. When we return, Detective James Abbott will tell us more about unsolved murders in our cold case profile segment. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to demasfamilykitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to demasfamilykitchen.com. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. 
Good morning. It's heavy, but it's moving 24 through the Hickory Hollow area. Lots of radar. 840, especially over in Williamson County this morning. Watch yourself. That's no April Fool's joke. They're really out here cracking down this morning. PensacolaBeach.com's got everything you need to book your next getaway. Check it out. PensacolaBeach.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. We welcome Detective Sergeant James Abbott back to our microphones. Sergeant Abbott, you appeared on last month's show, and you profiled three unsolved homicide cases. The three cases were the May 26, 2009 murder of Anthony Davis, the July 15, 2016 murder of Fausto Hernandez, and the August 2, 2019 murder of Terrell Ray. On today's broadcast, we are once again going to ask for the public's help in solving more unsolved murders. Before we discuss those cases, I want to thank you for bringing Ashley Smith from the Murfreesboro Police Department Criminal Analysis Section to our broadcast. And I would like to ask you a few questions about the Criminal Analysis Section. My first question is, how many people work in the criminal analysis section? Uh, currently, we have four personnel now assigned to the criminal analysis section uh, at, within the department itself. My next question is, how, when, and why was the criminal analysis section formed? Uh, well, the, the initial forming of the uh, crime analysis section uh, started over 10 years ago. Uh, if I'm, memory serves me correctly, Chief Crispin hired the first crime analysis, crime analyst here at our department. Uh, and of course, we have seen that job uh, grow over time. And, and, and now we've seen go from, you know, just building crime maps to using and, and tracking real-time real crime data, using dashboards, uh, and both in providing both that uh, tactical and, and strategic analysis uh, to the department and the different divisions within the department. Uh, so as it has grown, and, and we've actually increased from, from one personnel back then to now four, uh, clearly it, it is a resource that, and, and it, it is a job field within law enforcement, as you know, is growing uh, because of the demands in law enforcement. How does the section select its personnel to be a part of that section? Uh, some of the things that we're that the department is looking for when when they are hiring someone for this field is their secondary education, uh, or do they have a bachelor's or maybe a master's degree? Also, their experience using quantitative and qualitative analysis, uh, job their their previous job work where they worked at, uh, what type of. Um, information did they use uh, maybe analysis for their past uh, employment uh, also they're looking for how well these folks are they're familiar with uh, data analytics 
Um, they're, they're using computers all the time. So this is not someone who can just walk in and say, well, I have a familiarity with computers. Uh, you know, it, I have a familiarity with computers and I can turn one on. Uh, these are folks that are going to have to know how to use various different forms of software, uh, such as GIS, SPSS, uh, Microsoft. And, and when I say that, they're going to have to be uh, experts on, on how to use it. And even if they may not know specifically some of the software being used at the time, they're looking for people who have that capacity to self-teach themselves how to be, you know, how to improve and, and learn how to use this different software because a lot of these different uh, programs that they're using is not something that, that you can just send someone to a school or a course and learn. They, they have to be self-taught. They have to teach themselves. One question I'd like to ask you is, do these people have any law enforcement uh, authority? Can they, for example, can they make an arrest or are they simply aiding the detectives? No, they, they are simply civilian analysts. As a supervisor and investigator, what impact do you believe that this section has on helping to solve crimes and helping to make our community a safer place to live? Well, in, in for my unit in, in particular, uh, I have myself and, and five detectives, and we work a range of cases. And in those cases, um, it's everything from homicide to shootings, uh, missing persons, harassment, threats, simple assaults. So we are we stay pretty busy uh, with with our caseload. So when you try to break out a cold case like this and you want a detective to focus solely on this cold case um, for maybe a week or two weeks, remember this case originally may have been worked by someone for five to six weeks originally. So there's a lot of hours of video, uh, notes, summaries, and things that that detective's got to go through. By giving this, this is that, that tactical analysis for us. Uh, these crime analysts, they look at this case, they analyze it, they're able to break down and identify key things that we want or that, that we need to focus on and be more precise in how we carry out this investigation. So it reduces our time that we're going to spend looking at going back and following up on leads that originally uh, were cold, were dead-end leads in the first place, or leads that really didn't go anywhere, or nothing that we could, uh, that was um, not of evidentiary value. They can reduce that time now so that de detectives can focus solely on the key things that they need to be looking for in these cold cases. Before we talk about some more unsolved homicides, is there anything else you would like to say about the criminal analysis section? Uh, we're very fortunate to have four here in, in Murfreesboro. Uh, as I said, this is this is a growing field in law enforcement as as law enforcement becomes begins to be more precise and focused on specific offenders. So we're very lucky. Um, you know, like I said, Chief Crispin uh, brought the first uh, hard. You know, they they brought the first crime analyst to the department back over ten years ago. Uh, since then, Chief Bowen has really uh, helped expand this program here within the department. Uh, and fortunately, uh, city leadership has seen the, the value of this resource. And so we're very lucky to have that. Sergeant Abbott, with the time we have left, I would like to ask you to talk about some of the unsolved cases that you are now asking for the community's assistance in helping to solve. 
What is the first case you would like to discuss? Uh, the first case that we're going to discuss today, and, and ironically, this is the one that uh, me and Ashley uh, was talking about just a minute ago. Uh, this is their first uh, cold case analysis product that they just put out. Uh, and this is the homicide involving Cedric Herbert. On June the 15th, 2009, Murfreesboro Police Department received a 911 call at around 9.17 a.m. of an individual found in 603 East Northfield Boulevard at apartment F4. Uh, upon their arrival, they discovered Mr. Herbert uh, face down in a bedroom and he was shot several times. Uh, it appears that the individual or individuals uh, forced their way into this apartment. And at the time, uh, Mr. Herbert, uh, according to uh, the young lady that lived there at the time, she had left uh, to take her child to daycare. And when she discovered this, she called. Uh, according to her, though, that Mr. Herbert was laying on the couch asleep when she initially left the apartment. Uh, and upon returning, found Mr. Herbert in the bedroom, face down. Uh, it appeared that, uh, did not appear to be really any type of struggle inside the residence. It did appear that Mr. Herbert may have been at some point where someone was trying to uh, uh, restrain him uh, with clothing there inside the residence and then shot him. Uh, we're not sure if this was a potential uh, robbery or not, or if this was just a outright uh, murder of Mr. Herbert. Uh, there was valuable property found, um, so we're not sure if this was, uh, like I said, we, we have our suspicions about this case, and, and now we have even further more uh, questions. Um, but again, uh, robbery cannot be ruled out but also there was some other issues, uh, some people that had ongoing issues with Mr. Herbert that may have led to this. If someone does have information concerning this case, who do they contact and how do they contact them? They can contact myself at the Murfreesboro Police Department, 615-893-2717. They can also call Crime Stoppers, and we also have a uh, email, crimetips at murfreesborotn.gov. Sergeant Abbott, I want to join with you in asking that anyone who has information on this or any other unsolved homicide to please come forward and be a part in helping to solve an unsolved murder. Do you have another unsolved case that you would like to share with our audience? Uh, we do. We'd like to talk about Nathan Morgan homicide as well. And this occurred on May the 22nd, 2010. At around 12.05 a.m., a group of young men were standing out in front of 1401 Eagle Street uh, by vehicle talking. Uh, the men were unaware, but a subject was cutting through a backyard from Atlas Street over to the 1400 block of Eagle Street. The subject crossed over a chain link fence using a chair. Uh, that suspect then took up a position uh, behind a residence down from 1401 Eagle Street and opened fire on the individuals that were standing there. Uh, this appears to be a targeted shooting, targeted hit uh, on the individuals that were there. Three men were shot, uh, one of them being Nathan Morgan. Uh, the other two men that were shot was a Lewis Sweeney and a Byrus Hughes. 
And uh, you may remember, unfortunately, Mr. Hughes was murdered on South University Street in 2016 here in the city. Uh, in, in that case, Mr. Antonio Starnes was charged and, and found guilty just last year by a jury here in Rutherford County for that murder. Um, but in the case of Mr. Morgan, uh, as I said, the suspect, after shooting uh, the individuals, shooting at the individuals with a rifle uh, on Eagle Street, then fled the area, we believe, based on uh, some information we've obtained uh, recently. The subject may have fled back across the fence uh, and then ran down the street uh, to a possible vehicle or go went to a residence uh, in the area. We believe that the suspect did return to a residence nearby uh, after the shooting uh, in that case. And so uh, we are still following up on some information on that. To say this about Nathan Morgan murder as well, though, uh, we had a couple of other shootings that occurred here in our city uh, after Cedric Herbert was murdered. It appeared that there was some uh, possible uh, retaliation or, or beef between individuals uh, over his murder in 2009. We believe that that homicide that happened in 2009 is linked to the murder of Mr. Morgan. Nathan Morgan was a cousin to Cedric Herbert and was close to Cedric. And in that investigation, uh, we believe that, that the shooting of Nathan was in retaliation for one of the other previous retaliation shootings over Cedric Herbert. When you say this was a targeted shooting, what do you mean by the term targeted shooting? These individuals, this wasn't just a, you know, let's go drive by and shoot some warning shots or something at a, you know, or, or just uh, what sometimes the people would, will call or term spray and pray that they might hit somebody. This individual took up a shooting position. Uh, they, they came across through, fen uh, through backyards. They cut through backyards, crossed over fences, and took up a shooting position down the street uh, and aimed and targeted. I mean, this was, they were targeting these specific individuals, and we know that, <clears throat> that some people had, had mentioned that Nathan might actually be targeted uh, or uh, some people had made threats. We've learned uh, through that investigation that some people had threatened uh, Nathan because he was asking questions about Cedric's homicide. Also, you mentioned in the Morgan murder case that you mentioned Byron Hughes's murder. Is there any indication that these two cases are in any way related? No. The, uh, the, the reason or the motive behind Mr. Hughes's homicide uh, was completely separate from this actual case here. Uh, in that case, Mr. Hughes, uh, th their, that homicide there, uh, Mr. St Antonio Starnes, who was charged and prosecuted in that case, uh, was completely separate from this. This was That was another motive altogether. On your cold cases, how do you determine what detective will actually be assigned a particular case? Uh, Basically, on, on these types of cases, I kind of uh, review, like I said before, we get a lot of, my folks do a lot of different type of uh, casework, and, and we have a lot of things that going on. <clears throat> and so what I look at is also I look at uh, what they have as far as cases lined up, uh, cases that are being worked, and also whether or not they have a homicide case coming up in court. Uh, 
as you know, as you all know, with the DA's office, uh, when we have a homicide trial getting ready, that becomes another. Uh, when we look at manpower hours, you know, a detective will work. A single detective may work anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a, in a week on a homicide, and that's one that we make an arrest on almost immediately. Uh, and I may have two or three detectives tied up doing that that week uh, of that first homicide. So uh, if they've got one that's getting ready to go to trial, they're going to work almost half that many hours again helping the DA prep. Sergeant Abbott, we want to thank you for your service to the Murfreesboro Police Department and the citizens of our community. Do you have any parting comments? I appreciate y'all giving us this opportunity to highlight these cases. Uh, one of the things that, that we're trying to do with this, uh, bringing about these in investigations, these new investigations in these cold cases and bringing the crime analyst on board is also getting it out there to the community as well. Uh, that's one reason why we're now doing the reenactments and we've got the cold case website that Larry Flyers has worked so hard on for us uh, is to try to get this information out there to, to basically start the investigation all over again. Thank you, sir. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. Skies will become mostly sunny here this afternoon, high in the upper 50s. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear, a low near 35. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 41. As we end our program today, we thank WGNS for providing the airtime. We thank our producer, Scott Walker. And special thanks to our two very special guests. Murfreesboro Police Department Detective Sergeant James Abbott and from the Murfreesboro Police Department Criminal Analysis Section, Ashley Smith. Thanks to both of you for your outstanding service to our community. And we never want to end the broadcast without thanking our listening audience. Our next scheduled broadcast is Friday morning, May the 6th, at 8.10 a.m. on your good neighbor station, WGNS. We leave by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my co-host, Jennings Jones, this is Paul Newman, bidding all of you a safe and blessed day. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.